You're listening to Radio 1190, 1190 AM, KVCU, Denver, Boulder, 98.9 FM, Translator, K255, DA, Boulder, and we're also on Radio1190.org. Welcome to News Underground. My name is Lucy. I am your news director, and we have a really full show for you today. I'm very excited. Uh, so we'll just kind of hop right into it. My first guests are the co-presidents of the Six Student Association uh, here on campus at CU. Um, and they held the first Lunger on a college campus in Colorado uh, on Monday. And so we're kind of going to talk about that uh, and talk about what it means to be sick um, and kind of all of that. So I have with me Serene Singh and Duwani Kutter. Thank you so much for both of you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So can you kind of explain, first of all, what Lunger is, the concept, and then also what it was on Monday? Sure. So uh, I guess I'll start on that. Lunger is like a 500-year-old tradition um, as an anti-segregation movement, and it's designed to bring people closer together. So um, in a time where there was a lot of conflict, people use the best way to like bring people together is through food. So this was something that we wanted to bring to campus. That way we could do the same thing in a high stress situation to bring people together and have time to break bread. And a lot of feedback that we were getting was that people were able to do it at the event. Like friends that they hadn't seen for a long time, they could finally get together and eat together and get like maybe an hour or two just with each other instead of worrying about the world. It's a very interesting concept, and especially given the current political climate. Did you think about that when you were planning this? Um, I know it was also quite a process to make it happen, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Totally. Um, something that Duane and I, and as well as the rest of the Six Student Association at CU Boulder, have really thought about is the current climate. Um, we know how divisive it is, and we know how tough that is for a lot of students um, in Colorado, but also just in college campuses in general. We're dealing with issues like sexual assault. We're dealing with um, many worries regarding immigration. We're dealing with so many different issues that each individual student is struggling with on campus. Um, this is a time and day and age where students are very, very likely and prone to actually getting depressed. So our job as six and our jobs as leaders in this world um, through our sick faith is to be able to instill love, compassion, justice, and equality in as many spaces as we can. And Lunger was just one of the small ways that we hope to aim, we hope and aim to do that um, in bringing people together, like Duane said, and having us really establish that all of these different boundaries and all these different divisive ways we think about one another are actually just ways that we've just socially constructed ourselves to be. At the end of the day, we all share one common humanity and that's beautiful and it's time we acknowledge and recognize that. And like on the same note, I think that if our Congress did that on a regular basis, I think if lungers were something that whenever people disagreed with one another, they said, hey, let's do a lunger. I think that the world would see so many impressive and incredible changes and I think um, we would not see as much hatred, we'd see a lot more love. It is definitely a non-American concept in many respects, um, considering the way that America traditionally deals with discourse. Um, and I mean, the concept in general, you said it's been around for hundreds of years. Um, but for this longer, and for any longer, um, it's not just for six, it's for anybody. Um, what, what was it like on Monday night? Uh, it was a pretty great turnout. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it 
So we had like over 400 people show up, which mm-hmm. was way more than we were expecting. Totally. But um, it was pretty impressive, and we were really happy with the turnout. But um, we wanted to make sure that everyone was included in the event. We were like, no, regardless of your race, your religion, um, gender, background, whatever it may be, we want everyone to come. And so people were there that weren't CU students because we didn't want anyone else to feel like excluded. We wanted people to find a place to come together and bond and like learn new stories, learn about Sikhism, um, tie a turban, or um, uh, watch the amazing Gutka performance that we had. Just learn something about the culture and then find a way to like bond over that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad Dwani mentioned that too because when we were crafting this lunger for this year, um, our intention was not that the Sikh Student Association every year has to put lunger on. Um, obviously, we're happy to do that. We would be humbled to do that. Um, but we would love other student groups to put on lungers. We'd love to collaborate with other student groups that find beauty in the in the in the process of lunger and the the meaning of it. Because we think that lunger is something that's so universally um, applicable. Every single community can use it. Every single person needs lunger in some respect with some certain group, um, and everyone can benefit. Whether or not you're sick, um, whether or not you believe you need it, I think every single person needs it. And that's something you mentioned earlier, is that it's a non-American concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that should be an American, con- a universal concept almost, to um, be able to share food together and be able to converse without hatred as a place of love, and everyone loves food. So, like, it's a perfect way to bond. <laughs> totally. I, I think we were, we were tabling, and then someone walked by, and they said to Dwani and I, they're like, oh, this is like the New Age Thanksgiving. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> something like that. So <laughs> take, it, take it like that. <laughs> Well, and with Thanksgiving coming up in a few weeks, uh, I know people have mixed feelings about what that looks like on their end. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they'll take some uh, some tips from Lunger. Oh, totally. Um, but kind of, you are the Sixth Student Association, and um, being in Boulder, a lot of people are really obsessed with like spirituality and kind of often co-opt a lot of aspects of spiritualities and religions. Frankly, um, but Sikhism is something that seems to not really be in the public discourse and not really even I don't know so what do you what do you think is either misunderstood or not really known about Sikhism um, that you think people should know I think that's a really good question something that I am constantly in awe of about my faith of Sikhism is the the revolutionary concepts that were that were developed 500 years ago in a society in an age where really like I don't even think those concepts are still applicable like I don't even think someone still today would think about them but they're so revolutionary and then so rooted in social justice equality and love like I think a lot of um, people religions groups communities can preach equality but I think Sikhism really emphasizes the teaching of it um, and the actual practicality of it. So in our faith, every single woman is equal to every single man, and it's literally written in our holy book. Um, every single being is equal to every single being. So there's no hierarchy of humans are at the top and everyone else is at the bottom. I think that's really a beautiful concept, that we all share one light, and that it's important for human beings to recognize um, like the privileges that we've been given in this human body and what we can do for the world and how we can really embed ourselves um, in the world around us so that we can really strive for the most common shared um, love between all all lives um, and one more thing with that I think longer I think the turban I think so many different parts of the sick identity 
are rooted in that same es essence of justice and equality. So it's not just saying, oh, you know, we know we had a caste system in India and we know that there's different castes, but like, we'll just say everyone's equal, but then kings can still sit on chairs and beggars still have to sit outside. Nope, the gurus, the Sikh gurus said, actually everyone will sit together on the same floor, share the same meal, and no one will be able to say, I can't sit next to him, he's less than me, or I can't sit next to him, he's more than me. And that, to this day in India, is so revolutionary because they still have a caste system where in which people, for who they are, just for, just for having a certain last name, um, cannot have the same rights as others. And it's a, it's a beautiful revolutionary concept that our gurus came up with and have really instilled in, in Dwani, myself, the rest of the Sikh Student Association, and anyone who comes to Lungers, I think they, they walk away feeling respected. They, f they walk away feeling equal, and they walk, a they walk away feeling loved. And another like main uh, misconception that we get is like Sikhism is the fifth largest religion in the world. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize how big it is and how many people are actually Sikh in America and all over the world. Mm -hmm. So that's something we wanted to to bring the message out there is that we're, there's a lot of us. It's not, you know, some small religion just starting up. It's been rooted in us for a while and it's it's huge. Yeah, totally. And And just with that, too. Dwani mentioned we're the fifth largest religion in the world, but yet there's so many misconceptions about who Sikhs are. So we hear all the time that Sikhs are like the combination of Hinduism and Islam, or Sikhs are just like a fraction or some something small, some small part about like a larger um, Islamic community or something like that. Um, and it's important for us as Sikhs for people to just come up and straight up ask us. Um, I think every single Sikh person would really love and be honored to be asked these kinds of questions so that later on we can start changing that narrative about who Sikhs are and why do people think that we are of certain sex or of certain this and that when we are our own independent established religion um, that actually has no commonality with Hinduism or Islam other than the fact that we all originated from India and that's something that no one would necessarily know unless they came up and asked us or they're listening to 1190. <laughs> very very true if you're just tuning in right now I'm talking with Serene Singh and Dwani Khatur uh, co-presidents of the Sikh Student Association here at CU Boulder um, and so how long has the Sikh Student Association been around? Uh, Sikh Student Association at CU has been around for four years. Um, we have been active in the Colorado community, but this is our very first year active actually being at s active at the CU community. Um, we had to jump through a lot of hurdles and a lot of different hoops to get an event at CU Boulder, whereas just throwing events in the general Colorado community has not been as difficult. Um, so for the past four years, we've been hosting lungers for the Colorado homeless population um, right in front of Capitol Hill. Um, our Bungara team, Colorado Bunger team, will perform there as well every single year. So it's really, really cool that we've been able to do that for the Colorado community. Um, a lot of us also intern in Washington, D.C. every summer. And um, at the Capitol, we also host lungers there too. So Colorado students are representing at large and most specifically CU Boulder students, which is cool. That's really awesome. And so kind of being on campus for this first year, what are you noticing? Um, what's, the, what's the population on campus like? Um, and it, it seems like there's a lot of community off campus for a lot of six anyways, but what's different about being on campus specifically? So uh, Boulder is not necessarily like, dominated by like an Indian race or people of color. Um, so we wanted to bring that representation here, um, especially since it's an event that yeah, Boulder has never seen before. So we really wanted to make it large and make sure that everyone throughout all of Colorado knew about it. So we broadcasted literally everywhere um, through all the temples in Colorado, through all the Sikh temples in Colorado, through different Indian stores, different markets, um, anywhere we could think of, just because we wanted people to be 
aware of what's going on and be like, hey, look at Boulder, come. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and and like that, Dwani and I, we really we really emphasize that CU Boulder is actually the very first sixth student association in all of Colorado, which is huge. But also, this is the very first time any lungers happen on campus. And for us, it was really cool to see CSU students come in, to see CU Denver students come, to see DU students come, to see UCCS students travel all the way from Colorado Springs, um, because that represents that the SIC community really does believe in unity and that it's not a competitive environment and that everyone wants to see people come together and to see SIC succeed, um, but also to see something like Lunger succeed in a place like Colorado where there's not a lot of us. So that was really cool. And we really appreciate everyone who did come to the event um, and made it that much more successful because we were expecting, like the one he said, no <laughs> so, yeah, that's really, really special for us. And we could even um, had such a great outreach that, like, I have some friends in New York that knew about the program, that, and they knew that I was running it, and they were like, oh, this is a great idea. I wish I could fly out. And uh, people came from all over the state, and then people wanted to come from other states, too, which if, you know, had more if we had more time broadcasting, they might have, which is incredible to me that so many people wanted to come to such an opportunity, and we felt so humbled by that. Yeah, and it is, it's definitely a historic moment um, and sets a precedent for potentially more lungers. I mean, for example, CU Boulder Hillel holds Shabbat every Saturday, or I, b I believe their dinner is actually Friday night. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely opens up the door. S and on that note, what are you hoping to see from the Six Student Association in the coming months and years? And in general, what are you hoping to see um, with Six in the Boulder community? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Do you want to take it? Uh, well, uh, just a quick thing I wanted to mention is that before we started SSA is that we didn't think that there were that many Sikhs on campus. It almost felt like there were just like five of us. Mm -hmm. And just after this outreach, it helped us realize that it's so much bigger and being able to bring that community together was so important and so um, embedded for us that we like wanted to bring people together. And now we can talk to people and they can relate to me regardless if I'm an undergrad or a grad student. We can close barriers and people want to talk more about it. Yeah, and, and like that too, um, the Sikh Student Associations, like everyone can join, anyone, whether or not you identify with the Sikh faith, but what we really realized from Lunger um, is that most of our volunteers were not people that identified with the Sikh faith. And we thought that that was really beautiful because that is exactly the essence of Sikhism, that it's not a subscribed um, set of like checkmark beliefs of you have to do this, 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 and this to be a Sikh. I think that's one of the coolest parts of our religion. It's so... Um, ingrained in who you are and the way you live your life that it's not really I don't see it as a religion I see it more of a style and a way of living and conducting yourself um, and I think people really saw that in the shared humanity in the shared goals of equality justice and love um, and that's why they were drawn to volunteer um, knowing that they weren't going to get paid knowing that there wasn't any actual like tangible benefit but just that they felt like they were doing um, what their heart was called to do yeah I mean like I was in charge of running the food and making mm -hmm. sure everything was set. And so many volunteers came up to me that either didn't like sign up the volunteer sheet, but they were so inspired by what other people were doing that they're like, hey, okay, what time can I start? And mm -hmm. uh, we had more than enough volunteers want to help out in the food, help out in cleanup, set up, whatever it may be. They were amazing. And they were all there doing their part and making sure it was like so, uh, so like able to happen yeah like it's because of them that this event was so successful right okay we should get back to lucy's question so yeah um maybe so in terms of what six student association is expecting for the next couple of months um you know it's going to be interesting because duani and i haven't really talked about this but at least personally what i want to do before i graduate because this is my senior year is to make sure we have a sick week 
next semester or even this semester, depending on um, kind of our time schedule and everything like that. But the Sikh Week would have different things that represent the Sikh faith and the Sikh culture. Um, so maybe something like a lunger on a Wednesday night, but before that, on a Monday or Tuesday, we can have a Sikh film, a documentary screen screening, so that people understand a little bit more about the Sikh faith, um, a little bit more about our Sikh history, um, because there's a lot of really rich and important history that really can help explain to people why is the turban part of our faith? Why do we wear it despite knowing um, that the turban is a charged icon for a lot of people, um, even though it doesn't necessarily need to be? Um, so a, a screening of a movie or something like that would be really cool for us. Um, a turban tying day, we thought we thought that was really successful at the event, but we want to make that its own separate event. So on Norland Quad or Fair and Field, having a turban tying day, everyone come over, get a free turban, um, see how it feels to have a turban on your head feel really beautiful and empowered in the Sikh faith the turban kind of represents royalty it represents having a crown on your head um, so when people wear the turban we want them to feel empowered we want them to feel beautiful and we want them to feel like they are reigning royalty um, so having something like that and also we want to bring a cool Sikh speaker um, of some sort so there's a lot of really cool Sikhs out there some of you might know there's Just Rain who's on YouTube there's Superwoman a lot of people know her um, she met the president um, and I think she interviewed him as well, or I think she interviewed Mrs. Obama. Um, also, at the gentleman at the SICK event, Dr. G.B. Singh, um, he was a colonel in the U.S. Army. He's now retired, but he's the very first SICK man in the U.S. Army. And so we were really excited to have a VIP at our event, and we're hoping that we can have um, some cool speaker come next week during this next next semester during this week um, to help show people okay look at how cool um, six are and how they are actually very much embedded in the American society and they're doing cool things just like every other person can do in America and one thing to add to that would be um, a Bhangra team so Bhangra is and is really a dance form that's really embedded into Sikh community and in India in general we love to dance so um, we want to bring Bhangra to campus and we do have teams on campus like Colorado Bhangra team um, but we want to make sure that we can bring that to the people. So maybe in that week, we can also have like a little performance that we do in the quad or something that people can just watch and be like, you know, hyped up and get back into school and be like, oh, yeah, I have a lot of energy. Let's, I can do this. Totally. And I'm so glad the one you mentioned the Carter Bunger team because um, we both happen to also represent Carter Bunger team, which is embedded in the Six Student Association. It's just one of the small subgroups um, for the six that want to dance and have that extra exposure in that field. Um, it's really cool because the Bhangra dancers in the Carter Bhangra team wear turbans. Um, and the idea is really that of religious freedom. So when people see Bhangra dancers wearing turbans, performing, and they are, and literally Bhangra means to be intoxicated with joy. And so if you think about it from like an outsider perspective, you're watching a team who's all performing and they're intoxicated with joy. They're so happy. They're so vibrant. Everything about them is energetic and everything about them makes you drawn to them. You are less likely to be hateful of them. You are less likely to see them as someone you cannot relate to, and you're less likely to be scared of them. And that's exactly what we try to do with the Carter Bunger team, um, to really to really bridge that gap of, okay, they're wearing a turban, I don't get them, I can't understand them, they are now someone I need to fear, to, okay, actually, wait, that's a super friendly, awesome dancer. Um, they're wearing a turban, they're so kind, they're energetic, they're someone that can be my friend, I can trust them. And that's just one of the ways we aim um, to bridge that gap at CU. And the other thing with the, the turban is that, like, it's not just a male who can wear it. Mm -hmm. You can have women wear turbans, too. So when we perform, I'm usually dressed as a guy. <laughs> and um, I actually love it. It's a lot of fun. And the turban looks really nice on me. So <laughs> Yes, it does. It does. It looks really good. Yeah, Gridwani brought up a really good point. Women wear turbans all the time. You might have seen, actually, there is a uh, female model who is a bearded, sick woman. 
um, and I think she's in the UK. She's based in the UK, and she's absolutely exceptional. She's challenging all the beauty standards that are, you know, models have to be completely clean-shaven. Uh, they can't be wearing, you know, turbans, and they, they have to shave their beard. But she's she's growing out her beard. She's very proud of her hair. She thinks it's a gift from God, and a lot of Sikhs um, strongly believe in that, as do Dwani and I. Um, but, but she's just owning it, and she's a sick woman, so look her up whenever you're free. Um, and that's exactly what she's doing, so that you can see a, a turbaned woman and see that that's very normal in the sick community. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'll definitely look that up. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been speaking with Serene and Dwani. They are the co-presidents of the Sick Student Association. They had a very large lunger <laughs> on Monday night, uh, and it was a really fun time. Um, and so kind of keep an eye out for what they're up to next. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Next up on News Underground, we're going to switch to a different faith. Um, there was the very sad uh, shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue on Saturday uh, in Pittsburgh. And um, th in the Jewish community, it's really kind of racked a lot of a lot of folks. Um, and so earlier today, I spoke with Noah Harriet of... Um, see you Boulder Hillel, he is the program director, um, and we just kind of talked about uh, what, what's been going on um, for, for the Hillel community as a whole, because Hillel um, is an international organization, he'll get into that, um, and also kind of how to respond to something like this. So here's that interview. Uh, I hope you enjoy. My name is Noah Harriet. I am a CU alum. I graduated with a bachelor's in biochemistry and molecular biology, um, and I'm the program director at C. Boulder Hillel. Uh, when did you graduate and when did you take on the job? Uh, I graduated in May of 2016. Uh, I, for, for some reason, decided to add my second major at the beginning of my senior year, so I took a fifth year, and then uh, I've been with, with Hillel for two years in January. Okay, cool. Um, so kind of the reason we're chatting is um, because of the mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue this mm -hmm. past weekend. Um, it, can you just give me kind of a brief overview, um, more for people who are listening, sure. to kind of understand what happened? Because there's been a lot of coverage, but yeah. kind of just boil it down to some basics. Yeah, so from... From what I gather, basically what, what happened was um, there was a man, and I'm not, I'm not going to say his name because I don't think he deserves any recognition, um, but there was a man who had some pretty, pretty hateful anti-Semitic views, um, and I think he was more than just an anti-Semite. He, um, he was a bigot and racist in many ways, and... Um, he made the decision to go into the Tree of Life Synagogue, um, which uh, actually hosts three different congregations of different um, denominations of Judaism uh, in Pittsburgh in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood, which is a historically, um, a historically very Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Um, and, a, and a lot of CU students have very close connections um, to that neighborhood. Um, he went in on a Saturday morning uh, at the beginning of Shabbat services and um, started shooting and murdered 11 people, uh, injured six others, including four police officers. Um, 
and you'll have to forgive me. I'm it's 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 a hard topic um, for many in the Jewish community, myself included, to talk about. Still, um, it's very raw. Um, uh, but yeah, he went in and and killed people for the simple fact that they're Jewish. Um, most of them were were older, uh, anywhere from I believe fifty four to ninety seven years old, um, and took their lives for being Jewish and um, and he was injured uh, he was trying to escape so he could continue um, and was was injured and is alive um, and will be facing hopefully justice and he'll be going to a trial I believe next week maybe it's maybe it's this week um, yeah it's a very sad event for one. I mean, ele- 11 people were killed, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but it's also unexpected in a different way as anti-Semitism has occurred frequently in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. In world history. Maybe. Well, yeah. in world history especially, too. But it seems that there hasn't been as much in the U.S. in recent years. Yeah. So the there's always been this idea that the U.S. is like a safe haven for the Jewish community. Um, Safe haven from violent attacks like this, I should say. There's, I mean, anti-Semitism in America has never gone anywhere, you know. Jews weren't allowed to join country clubs, weren't allowed to get jobs, weren't allowed to work for the State Department until probably the 60s. you know, so even within the government, there's anti-Semitism, and um, it, it still exists in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways that people don't understand, and even telling their fun little Jew jokes to their one Jewish friend, um, that's a form of anti-Semitism. But these types of violent attacks have been few and far between, um, at least on this on this scale. This was the most devastating uh, anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. Um, and uh, much of the Jewish community has been thinking not not if this is going to happen, but when. We've been waiting. We knew it was going to happen with the rise in hateful rhetoric, not just against Jews, against Muslims, against the Latino community, um, against the African American community, against the LGBTQ community, um, really any minority group. Um, I think has been on edge in the last several years, and um, it was it was a shock. You know, last year we had the the bomb threats at the JCCs, and that was unnerving. But then to wake up on Saturday morning and see that this had happened, it was you know it was a whole other animal. That we knew something would happen, we just didn't know it would be this bad. Right, and I mean, like you say, there's been attacks on other minority groups um, but a lot of that has I don't want to say been expected but um, given certain rhetoric uh, especially from the federal administration um, somehow makes more sense if you will yeah people who let hate drive them people who feel that society exists for one skin color or one gender or one way of looking at the world 
and is, don't look at the world in a democratic way. Don't look at our democratic country through the lens of democratic values. Those type of people have always existed. They didn't come out of nowhere. They have been gi been given agency in the last few years by the rhetoric of leaders, of political leaders, um, have kind of allowed people. And I, and I know there's been some direct blame placed on, for instance, the president that has, you know, they has been denied. And um, I'm not placing any direct blame on anyone, but language is powerful. You know, you work for a radio station, you know language is powerful. And the people in power, how they wield that language, is it can be a weapon. And by giving people the the platform to express their hate and telling them that it's okay to come out into the open, it kind of let the cat out of the bag. You know, these people, like I just said, they didn't come from nowhere. They've been here all along. They just, they were afraid and they were hiding. But there's not, not as much for them to be afraid of anymore. Right. So, in the last few days since the attack, Mm -hmm. on the congregation. Um, there have been vigils nationwide um, and specifically in Boulder. Mm -hmm. um, what have been kind of those vigils like for the for you who yep. have gone? Um, and what are general kind of responses from the Jewish community and um, what type of support or response are you receiving from those outside of the Jewish community? Yeah. Um, so the first vigil here in Boulder was on Sunday night. Um, it was hosted by Congregation Har Hashem, which is a Reformed Jewish organization, or synagogue rather, uh, here in Boulder. Um, it was co-hosted by the Jewish Community Center here, the JCC in Boulder, and congregations Bonei Shalom and Neve Kodesh um, and Hillel as well. Um, and I think about 700 people showed up, and they weren't just, just Jews. People from all over uh, came together and we're given a space to come together and um, we heard from several local rabbis we heard from uh, a man from the Islamic Center of Boulder and the Islamic Center um, has been very supportive uh, again last year in the, the JCC bomb threats the, the Islamic Center came out and denounced that and was a huge supporter um, and I guess I, I just want to say about, about the Islamic community in America has been, I think, some of the biggest supporters of the Jewish community in times like this. The uh, Islamic community in Pittsburgh came together and raised something like $70,000 within like a day or two for the victims of the Pittsburgh attack. Um, and the, the Christian community in Boulder has also been um, very supportive. Um, Reverend uh, Mary-Kate Rejoui, um, I, I don't always pronounce her name correctly, uh, who's the rector and priest at St. Aidan's. Um, we have a great relationship with her, and she spoke as well at that vigil. And it was, I think it was just an opportunity for the community to come together and, and grieve together. And um, there's a lot of power in, in being together like that in a community and, not, and knowing you're not alone, you're not feeling this 
on your own in your own home and um, I think there's there's an act of resistance involved with gathering in a vigil gathering in a synagogue a day after an attack like that um, the Boulder Police Department provided security and we were very grateful for that um, a lot of people I spoke to were still nervous being there gathering um, in the wake of, of the shooting uh, and then we coordinated with Chabad here at CU, which is um, another Jewish uh, organization. Um, rabbi Wilhelm reached out to us. Um, he's the director, or the, the rabbi at Chabad, um, to organize an event, a, a vigil yesterday at the UMC Fountains. Um, and I think we had about 150 students. We didn't keep track, but from the pictures, that's about uh, what we saw. Students and faculty and other community members um, came together to really just be together. I've never been to a vigil, to be quite honest with you. Um, it was my <laughs> my first my first time being in in that type of space, um, and yeah, I'm sorry. And what was the rest of? I know you had some follow up questions, and then I rambled. Well, I think the vigils are an important part, but yeah. You mentioned a little bit of the um, kind of some of the fundraising from communities such as the Islamic community. Mm-hmm. Um, what have been kind of other responses both within the Jewish community and from other sure. entities? Yeah, so I mean the, the fundraising piece is big. Um, there's a lot of different uh, charities set up online. Um, I think the, the best one to give to is the Jewish Federation of Pittsburgh has set up a charity um, that that goes directly to support um, immediately funeral costs. I'm sure there there's going to be some repairs that have to be done um, at at the synagogue, but counseling both for survivors um, and, and by survivors I mean those who were who were injured in the attack, but also those who were directly related to them, their family, their friends, um, other community members who need counseling. Um, those are those are big ways that that people can get involved and that's what that money is going towards um and there's just been an outpouring of support from i mean from the jewish community from the uh islamic community from other faith communities um have really come together and i think one of the best things that that anyone outside of the jewish community can do to to offer support is to just listen and and be there I think as a society we're pretty numb to mass shootings because it just seems like something that happens and we shouldn't be numb to that it's not a normal occurrence and for myself and and most of the the people I've talked to in the Jewish community this one hit close to home because it's our people it's us being targeted now and it makes it personal on a level that maybe we haven't felt before and that can be very hard to communicate to our friends and our family um, and our classmates people we meet on the street who aren't Jewish who are feeling oh this is just another mass shooting and it's deeply personal and that's something I've heard from a lot of the students I work with is that they don't know how to talk to their friends about it so I think being being available and just being willing to talk and, and understanding that this, um, yes, is another mass shooting, but for the Jewish community, it it goes a step beyond that. 
And you mentioned that you work a lot with students. Mm -hmm. What are some of the services that City of Boulder Hall provides, um, and kind of what is your role around campus? Because sure. I think a lot of people know that you exist, but don't quite know yeah. what you do. So CU Boulder Hillel, um, I guess Hillel in general is a it's an international movement, um, and we're we're a Jewish communal organization that works with college students. So there's 550 Hillels in North America alone, um, and depending on the Jewish student population, they're either have a staff in a building or it's just a, a Jewish student kind of organization or club on campus. Um, so we do a lot with students. We offer different programming. We do weekly programming like Shabbat dinners every Friday night um, at seven o'clock that are open to anyone, not just the Jewish community. It's, I mean, primarily Jews who come, but anybody who's interested in experiencing Shabbat is welcome. Um, we do weekly programming on Tuesday nights, and those can be anything from, last night we did uh, Hill Halloween, was our Halloween party. It was just a kind of a, a chance to unwind um, especially in light of what happened on Saturday, just a place for Jewish students to just be together um, and kind of take a step back and just have fun, decorate cookies and eat pizza. Um, we'll do, you know, holiday programming. We do, uh, we did a program last week called Weird Torah, which uh, a member of the community came in and, and kind of talked about some of the, the strange aspects of, of Torah, that it's just like weird. A lot of the things that they talk about and the themes are just strange. Um, we do holiday programming, so the Jewish High Holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, uh, Sukkot, which um, is uh, Fall Harvest Festival, so Chabad set up sukkahs on campus, which people may have seen, um, and we have one in our building as well. We do Hanukkah programming, uh, Passover, Seders, um, Purim parties. Um, these are all just Jewish holidays. If you don't know about them, look them up. Um, we do, uh, we, we are a student-led, staff-supported model. So all of our programming and everything we do is, is led by our students. We have an amazing team of student leaders um, who come and, and partially, uh, they, they help run our program, but they're also learning professional development and leadership development skills. Um, and we offer internships as well. To do that, we offer um, alternative breaks. So last year we went to, um, Houston or outside of Houston to do disaster relief um, and that's it's nice for Jewish students to come with us because they get kind of the Jewish community and some of the Jewish learning pieces of that um, we offer um, a birthright trip so birthrights an organization that sends young Jewish adults to Israel for free for 10 days um, and we send we've been sending 160 students a year for the last three years um, I think we're doing a few less, I think we're doing 120 people this year, um, but it's just an opportunity to explore Israel and learn about your heritage with a group of fellow buffs who are all here when you come home, so you can m maintain those connections. Um, and next week, actually on Tuesday, we're going to the JCC. Uh, they have an event called Holocaust by Bullets, which uh, is, is created by a French nonprofit called Yachad in Unum which is Hebrew and Latin, it means together in one, um, that explores the Holocaust in Eastern Europe. That wasn't the camps, the concentration camps everyone knows about, but the mobile killing squads that killed anywhere from one and a half to two and a half million people uh, and buried them in mass graves 
following the German army going going east, and this is all new research in the last 10 years. Um, so we're bringing a group of students there to learn about that, uh, and it's, it's interesting timing that, you know, we're learning about all this knowledge that's been lost for 70 or 80 years about Jews being massacred with rifles, and here we have Jews being massacred with rifles in 2018 here in America. Is the irony is not lost, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, to kind of circle back, though, for folks who maybe uh-huh. um, identify as Jewish but aren't super active in the Jewish community, or even for those outside of the Jewish community, mm-hmm. you mentioned donating to yeah. the Jewish Foundation. Um, what are other federation? Federation, yeah. excuse me. What are other things that um, folks can do to get involved with Sea Boulder Hillel? Um, to support the recovery after the Tree of Life shooting, mm-hmm. um, to support the Jewish community in general. Yeah, well, I mean, so so that, I, I think supporting the Jewish community specifically in Pittsburgh um, is, you know, donating to that, that fund set up by the Federation of Pittsburgh. Um, but all around the country, Jewish institutions, including here at, at CU, um, Jewish institutions are looking more into security. Um, and that costs money. So if, if people really want to get involved, they can donate to any of their local Jewish institutions, um, even CU Boulder Hillel, um, so that we can make the necessary uh, infrastructure upgrades to increase our security. Um, and this is a, it's a big topic of conversation. Um, a lot of uh, organizations are going to be putting bollards, like big concrete blocks, to prevent people from driving up to a building if they intend to harm someone. Um, cameras, uh, different types of, of remote entry um, systems on buildings, uh, armed security at events, these things all cost money and unfortunately they're necessary. Um, so that's a big way that people can get involved is by donating to um, Jewish institutions. All, all religious institutions, almost all religious institutions I should say, in this country are nonprofits, so we rely on uh, donations and grants to to do everything that we do, um, including make sure we have a secure space for our students. Um, and on that piece, uh, we do take security of our students very seriously here at CU, uh, and we've been in close contact with the CU Police Department on on what steps we can take to increase that security. Um, so students should always feel safe uh, coming to our building. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, donating funds is is big. Um, reaching out to your Jewish friends, if you have, or I should say, your friends who are Jewish. Um, if you have friends who are Jewish, reach out to them and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, personally, I've had several friends just reach out to me, and it was huge um, that they recognized that this impacted me differently than it impacted them. And that's something I think a lot of the Jewish community would appreciate. Just saying, hey, you're my friend, I care about you, I love you. That's all. You know, that's all That's all you need to hear, I think, is we're here for you, and we know that this was something for you. That's, I think, the biggest piece of support that, that most people could ask for. Noah, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, today. thanks for having me. 
That was my conversation earlier today with Noah Harriet. He's the program director for CU Boulder Hillel. Their building is on Colorado uh, and Regent. It's kind of more Colorado and 28th, really. But um, right over there, they've got a nice big sign. Um, and something he didn't mention, but we talked about afterwards, is that instead of CU Boulder Hillel and Shabbat having, uh, and pardon me, I pronounced that wrong, Chabad, um, having their separate Shabbat dinners on Friday night, um, they are having a unity Shabbat, both of them coming together. Um, it will be Friday, this Friday, uh, I believe that's November 2nd, 7 p.m. in the Glenn Miller, Miller Ballroom. Uh, you don't have to be Jewish. Uh, you don't have to have attended uh, any previous Hillel or Chabad um, events. Uh, it's more just kind of, again, that unity feeling. Um, not unlike the longer we talked about earlier this hour uh, that the Sikh Student Association held on Monday. So, And so to close off the hour, uh, we've been talking a lot of really intense stuff. Um, and I kind of wanted to get into the spooky mood a bit anyways. So uh, we're going to hear a couple quick podcasts uh, from... Stephen Graham Jones, uh, he is a professor here at CU, and he studies all things spooky. So we're going to hear about zombies and also why people like to be scared. Thank you so much for listening to News Underground tonight. My name is Lucy. I am the news director here at Radio 1190 KVCU, uh, and I hope you join me next Monday. We're going to be doing an election preview show. It's going to be a great one, folks. So... Here is Stephen Graham Jones talking all about zombies and getting scary. Happy Halloween. Climate policy. Revolutionize science. One single source of water. Children learn. Like, like the creature comes for Dr. Frankenstein. Welcome to CU Lab Rats, a podcast produced by the University of Colorado Boulder. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Repeating this latest bulletin just received moments ago from Cumberland, Maryland, civil defense authorities have told newsmen that murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Fifty years ago, the classic zombie film Night of the Living Dead opened in theaters Horror movies haven't been the same since. In the film, radiation has caused the dead to rise from their graves and seek out human flesh. The zombies, or ghouls as they're called here, surround the farmhouse where a group of strangers is trying to survive. Director George Romero worked in themes of the day, race, the Cold War, the generation gap, and his treatment of zombies, well, it just won't die. They all, like especially The Walking Dead, comes from the Romero zombie, yes, the shuffler. Um, and yes, that is the seed of everything we've got now, zombie-wise, for sure. Even the fast zombies, they are kind of a response to the slow zombies, so you can say they came from Romero just as well. That's author and CU Boulder English professor Stephen Graham Jones, our resident expert on all things gory. He knows a scary amount about zombies. What Night of the Living Dead gave the zombie was flesh-eating, contagiousness, infectiousness, and a decomposed form, decomposition, which are four things the zombie didn't have. Before that, we had been firmly in the voodoo um, zombie era, or what we call the Haitian zombie era, era which you know starts back in the, about 1929, 
with a guy named William T. Seabrook, his book, The Magic Island. And then we got White Zombie, I Walk With a Zombie. All these books and movies about people taking zombie powder and having their brain kind of erased and they become slaves, automatons. If not for the threat of a lawsuit, Night of the Living Dead might have had a weaker title. The title that they intended for Night of the Living Dead was Night of the Flesh Eaters. But right at the very end of production, when they were wrapping everything up, they got an injunction or a threat of an injunction from another you know, corporation entity, something that had you already used Flesh Eaters as the title of its movie, and so they changed it at the last moment to Night of the Living Dead, which is kind of crazy. And just like The Living Dead, zombie films kept coming and coming. He took it to Night of the Living Dead, then Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Survival of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and the other creator, John Russo, took it to Return of the Living Dead, which was more of a comic way, and that's where the brain-eating comes in, actually, in 1985, with Return of the Living Dead. Finally, some good old-fashioned brain-eating. In the most disturbing scene, a little girl named Karen lies unconscious in the basement. Mom goes to check on her and finds Karen engaged in a little intergenerational ickiness. The mother comes down to find her 10, 12-year-old daughter eating her dead father, and then the daughter rises up and takes a trowel off the wall and comes at the mother. That is essentially... Um, the younger generation coming for the older generation, which was happening in the late 60s, you know, and all these people shuffling around at the periphery of the light around the house, um, there was a big concern at the time of the youth taken to the streets. And so it was encapsulating and expressing and rendering the fears that were current in 1968 in the late 60s and that went on into the 70s as well. Night of the Living Dead was ahead of its time on race, too casting Dwayne Jones in the lead role. It puts a black man at the center of it, which I think is amazing. It wasn't written, it was just written for whatever best actor came in. It turned out the actor who, who auditioned best uh, was a black man. Now, if you get the hell down in the cellar, you can be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. It's wonderful to see that happening in 1968. It wasn't just hippies versus establishment in the late 60s. It's also, also the civil rights era, so it was a big statement. Professor Jones says that embedded in this campy, grainy, black-and-white film is serious social commentary. In, in Night of Living Dead, the question you ask at the end of that movie is who, who is the monster? And it's not, it's not the zombies, it's us. And it's not, it's not the zombies, it's us. All right, Vince, hit him in the head, right between the eyes. Because the main main guy gets shot, he he does everything right and he gets shot anyways. And we're we're the monster for sure. Good shot. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. Thanks for listening. This is Paul Bake for CU Lab Rats, produced by CU Boulder's Office of Strategic Relations and Communications. Revolutionize science. One single source of water. Children learn. Like, like the creature comes for Dr. Frankenstein. Welcome to CU Lab Rats, a podcast produced by the University of Colorado Boulder. This Halloween, we're looking at the science behind the screen, courtesy of CU Boulder English professor Stephen Graham Jones. You know, if you watch footage of a horror audience in a movie theater watching a horror movie, what you see is a jump scare happens on screen and they all scream and cover their eyes and grab their partner and everything and they're terrified and then five seconds after that they all collapse into laughter and I think that's what we like we like the rush of scared followed by the release of I'm not gonna die I think that feels really really good to us
Thanks for listening. This is Paul Bake for CU Lab Rats, produced by CU Boulder's Office of Strategic Relations and Communications.